And now, let's go to my conversation with Dr. Sky. With us today is Steve Tates, otherwise known as Dr. Sky, and he's with us every weekend. We look up in the skies, and he's going to tell us what we're going to see up there. And now, let's go to my conversation with Dr. Sky. Well, John, we have an amazing story to report here to your audience and the listeners of this radio show far and wide across America. SpaceX, as we know, has been the leader of getting rockets into space, and we wish them well, but here we go. Probably as early as late February or maybe even March, they're going to do something incredible. Elon Musk is betting that his new SpaceX Starship rocket with this incredible monster heavy booster rocket known as Booster 7 will actually go to orbit. Now, what's the backstory on this? The Starship itself is a 165-foot-tall rocket that will eventually send people to the moon and to Mars. And this big booster rocket is so incredible. The Starship itself has six Raptor engines. This is a new technology for them and SpaceX. But the big Booster 7 has 33 Raptor engines. John, it has an amazing power of lift of 16 million pounds, which is bigger than any rocket we've seen. But what's really bizarre, this sounds like science fiction. There's a device that holds the rocket up at Starbase, Texas, called Mechazilla. It's this big launch tower. And what they're going to eventually try to do, as we see these booster rockets come back in soft land, how about not only seeing the Starship land right next to this big, giant, massive crane, I call it, it's going to grab it like a robot arm to lower it down onto the ground. And the same thing with the giant booster rocket. It's like this gigantic thing like from Godzilla that hopefully will be able to grab both the Starship and the booster rocket and have a grappling arm to grab it as it's coming down. Isn't that the most amazing thing? It sounds like science fiction, doesn't that it? It is amazing, but I'll tell, I'll tell, I'll tell you something. one thing, Steve. Most of all your fuel is used to, to leave the Earth's atmosphere. Is there any thoughts in the future of what other technology we would use? Uh, because well, because it doesn't seem yeah. like uh, it's the right thing, way to go. Well, chemical rockets, John, by many people's estimation, a lot of these new space scientists are saying are yesterday's news. And here's an answer. We're developing new technologies that even may go into the nuclear side to get propulsion and move things away from the Earth. But just let everybody know this. In order to escape the Earth's gravity, a rocket needs to go seven and a half miles per second as it continues to move up and away from the Earth. And the problematic thing, as you just reported, and accurate as it is, is that with chemical rockets, you expend so much of your energy. Look at the old Saturn V moon rocket. It did about a minute and a half burn, consuming, get a load of this, with each of those big F1 engines. Each engine was using 1,350 gallons of fuel per second, a combination of liquid oxygen and something called RP1, which is kerosene. So hopefully, even beyond what Elon Musk is doing, hopefully new technologies, maybe even like nuclear, that can help propel rockets away, but the whole concept of having a nuclear rocket, I'm sure many people might have second thoughts saying, well, what happens if the thing doesn't go and it explodes? That's possible, John, that in the near future, well, maybe not so near. Some people uh, whisper in my ear that, it's a, that it exists, but they don't want to tell us it exists. Is Probably. It, I mean, is, there's a lot of secrets, I'm sure, that the NSA have and the CIA and many of the other space agencies, but I'm hoping American technology will get us to space even quicker. Steve Cates, I believe we have anti-gravity. I think we do, John, and I think there's an interesting story coming up, and I hope to report on this on your show. You brought up an interesting topic. 
that there's some government agency, I'm not sure which one, that talks about maybe some leaked information that we do have the concept of anti-gravity and have mastered it. But that's something I definitely will look into as, as we you know, move into 2023. That's a fascinating subject unto itself. But I wanted to mention the mystery of the week, as always. This is interesting. And a simple question like this, why is the sky dark at night? Now, people may think, well, that's the most ridiculous question they've ever heard. But it goes deep into science, John. It's something called Olver's Paradox. And what's that? And it says simply this, that the universe is not old enough to fill the sky with starlight. But there may be an infinite number of stars, but the light has not arrived yet. And the observable universe contains too few stars to fill the sky with starlight across the whole sky. So the point I'm making is, if that were true, well, if there's so many stars out there, why are they not all clustered together and the overpowering light of them just continuing so you have no darkness? It just shows you that even though the universe is infinite, light speed takes a long time for even those stars at their most remote edges of the universe right now to even get to us. So simply, I'm happy that the sky is dark because I wouldn't be happy myself. What say you? I'm telling you, I sit back and I look at the sky sometimes and I wonder. I really, really wonder. Anything new with Mars or, uh, or the moon or, or with any of the rovers? Well, John, we can only tell people this way. The Chinese are having difficulty with their spacecraft. And they did something exceptional with the Mars probe. They were the first nation to actually send an orbiter there to send a descent module like a rover and also, of course, a landing craft. So they're having problems. Nobody understands why, either communication-wise or mechanical failure. So all that they did in such a short amount of time, no nation had done this. In other words, America sent spacecraft there, and then eventually we eventually put a small rover, then we put landers on Mars. But they did it in one series of uh, you know, space projects. That's amazing. And finally... There's a new planetary object that we're going to talk about real quick. It's called TOI-700E. What's that? It's another one of those exoplanets, this one 100 light years away, John, that's around a red dwarf star. And it goes around that little red dwarf star every 28 days. But astronomers are saying, and again, this is theoretical, that it may be the most or one of the most Earth-like planetary objects, a little smaller than the Earth, but that it may even have in that habitable zone the right conditions for life. So the point is, we're discovering more of these planetary objects out there. And I've always said this way, well, in all that vast universe, and I'm sure you would agree, I'm sure there's some sort of life form out there, at least I would hope so. But we're all hoping that it's friendly. Right, John? Absolutely. Steve Cates, uh, Dr. Sky, thank you for expanding our minds and allowing us to look up in the sky and, and, and at least we wonder a lot. Thank you so much. Absolutely, John. And I want to tell everybody to go to wabcradio.com for the Dr. Sky experience, both our blog and our podcast. Thank you for having me, John.